Hey guys, it's Pleasance here with a little summer to fall update. Um, currently on our website, soulfulselfcare.com, you will find a link to the Plan to Thrive guide. And Plan to Thrive is my ebook that really has all the best practices for planning seasonally at the macro and micro level. So you can grab that on the website and get a taste for um, the style of how I teach planning and have it really help you transition into fall. So go ahead and grab that guide and use it as you start to map out fall. Now, if you feel like you're struggling and you're not sure um, where and how and what your wellness practices, your spiritual practices, we do have a Thrive Live session six weeks online with weekly coaching. If you live in the DC area, we do have some live events coming up. You can learn about all of that through our email, which you can sign up for on the website or email me, pleasantsatlittleohm.com. You can check out all the information about Thrive at littleohm.com backslash thrive or go to the website and you will find the Thrive community. So I know for some of you who are new to our community, it's a little confusing because we have soulful self-care, which is really our Ayurvedic practices and our deep soul work. And Little Om is our sort of mother parent company, which is holding space for all of these, um, for the consulting and the writing and the teaching. So um, you can go to the website and see the various um, ways in which you can engage with us. But I want to make sure that you know that the Plan to Thrive guide is there to help you with the transition to fall. And if you want more support, that's what our Thrive community is with our Thrive community leader, Rita, who you've heard on the podcast. Um, and that's it. I hope you enjoy this episode and have a great afternoon or evening or morning. Bye. Hi, Plaz. Hi, Megan. <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking this feels so weird <laughs> because um, Megan and I, so let me tell you guys, first of all, this is my beloved best I always call you like my best adult friend like we met <laughs> later like you're not a high school friend or a college friend you're like an adult friend that I made and you're like my best adult friend um and Megan Leahy parent coach y'all know her y'all love her she <laughs> is so hilarious I've actually seen her comedy live it's really funny um but the way that you approach parenting and development and family is, is so aligned with everything that I learn and teach and, and integrate and consider in the wisdom practices. Like that's the thing that I love is that you have all of this expertise and training and certificates in um, the brain science and the development and attachment theory. But to me, it's so closely linked with what I learn in the Vedic tradition, whether I'm reading a text or in a training. And so this overlap. And so we have all these things in common, right? Our kids go to the same school. We live in the same neighborhood and we can be sort of like walking around the block and have these amazing conversations about the intersection of what we're both learning and studying and it's amazing. It's like so brings so much joy to my life. 
Oh, for sure. And sorry, the air conditioner just kicked on. I'm That's in okay. an RV. That's okay. <laughs> don't ask. Don't ask. Huh? Um, yeah, you know, so first of all, thank you so, so, so much. Um, I'm really excited and proud for you to be doing this. And mm. it's a really great way for everybody who already knows and loves you to get a dose of wisdom from you without it being like so taxing to you. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, and it's also, I love listening to people's voices. Yeah. There's something very intimate about it. So yeah. well, well done on this. Mm. Um, yeah. Thank you. I, it is fun to walk with you because I think what we're both always trying to get at is we're always trying to help people kind of cut away the noise and mm -hmm get into themselves and not in an ego-based way, but in a way that where you start paying attention mm -hmm. to your actual life mm -hmm. and not to what everyone is saying about what your actual life is supposed to be, whether that is your life, your parenting life, your family life. And yeah, so <laughs> my relationship with you is a blessing because I always walk away like, shit, I just learned a ton. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should pay you, but that's fine. We'll discuss that later. Um, well, and specifically, I think, you know, we've been talking about having this conversation for months. Um, but what happened was, is that probably about six weeks ago, it dawned on me that I was entering a new zone of parenthood because my kids both had sort of fully transitioned into like the middle, the not middle school age, but middle age children or yes. school age children fully. And so parenting school age children is very different than preschoolers and toddlers. And I had been slowly transitioning towards that. And then all of a sudden I sort of woke up and was like, okay, this is what I have. And I'll be honest, my son doesn't know how to tie his shoes and he's seven. He is very emotionally um, sensitive in a lot of ways, which I think most humans are, but he, the way that he expresses is very high, high and low, low. And he doesn't know how to lot of, do how know how to do a lot of things for himself, which is taking away what I noticed was it was taking away some of his power and creating more of these struggles and these battles, especially with um, his father. Like it was just going around and around. And I realized like, oh my goodness, we are not serving these children in the way that they need for daily life skills. <laughs> and yeah. so I started like investigating a few different areas, um, just kind of doing what I always do, which is listen to podcasts and read books and talk to my people. And I put together this big email for my husband that said, okay, we are switching gears in parenting. Here's the stuff I want you to read. Here's what I want you to listen to. Here's what I want you to think about for fall. I realized how much over parenting we were doing. And then of course, like everything, I started noticing how much that was happening in a lot of uh, my other friends and community. And so I called Meg and was like, yo, we got to do a podcast on over parenting. I need your help. And I think this will be really powerful for people moving into the school year. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, give us a little bit of background. Like you're a columnist for the Washington Post. You're working on an amazing book that I can't <laughs> wait to get my hands on. Um, 
and you teach attachment, um, but not attachment parenting. So describe that a little bit, what your development and what the philosophy is, and then what you see in this kind of over parenting. So the quick and dirty is, is that I, I taught for a number of years, um, all boys gifted and talented, just an odd little wonderful group of kids. And I, I wasn't that great of a teacher, but I loved hanging out with the kids. And uh, so I went to Hopkins and got my degree in counseling, thinking, okay, I'm going to be a great school counselor, not realizing that it's just a lot of red tape. Mm -hmm. It's just dealing Mm -hmm. with adults. Um, Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I wasn't seeing the kids anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I... I didn't like it. And I also have a strong case of you're not the boss of me. And (laughs) (laughs) as soon as you enter into school, everyone's the boss of you. Yeah. Unless you're the boss. And then that's also an awful job. It's an awful job. (laughs) I've been there. That sucks. Yeah. (laughs) So I was pretty lost and I was pretty depressed. And I was also having my own children. So I started to go to PEP, the parent encouragement program, because it's, I realized parenting is hard. Um, I started volunteering with them. And then after I had my third daughter, I got certified as a parent coach, which is a real thing. Um, I don't think I'd be doing my job if I weren't a certified counselor. Mm -hmm. I just think that uh, there's just too many issues, but that's another talk. And then I met Dr. Newfeld. And I strongly recommend your listeners check him out. Um, and I really found the attachment development work that he mm-hmm. did transformative in my life. Essentially, what the theory posits is that we understand that connection to humans <clears throat> is what kind of lets us feel safe enough to grow up. Right. So when we don't have connection and attachment to our people, it hinders and slows down our maturity mm-hmm. um, or when this connection is very insecure or he doesn't really call it over enmeshed, but mm-hmm. it's, it slows things down. Mm-hmm. It makes problems. Now humans are amazing and we develop coping mechanisms, but I always loved how, and that's not a problem, right? But I just always love how Neufeld talks about, with every coping mechanism, we develop something is won, but something is lost. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so his theory kind of like blew the top off of my life. And that is when my writing, I think, got clearer. I kind of bumped into the post. Like everything started going well mm-hmm. uh, because it just kind of went in my lane. Um and so over parenting, that's what we're talking about, right, Plus? Yeah, I think moving into the school year, like thinking about, okay, so we're thinking about sort of the layers, like there's this development and connection piece that's yes. essential, right, yes. for feeling safe yes. um, and for thriving in all ways, right? That's an integrated brain, that Dan Siegel work around the yes brain and the integrated brain and all the pieces Upstairs, coming together. Downstairs. Yeah, uh-huh. totally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we have that. And yet we live in a culture, like, I, I just want to be real about it, where people are doing so much for their kids and family, doing, right? Not necessarily creating the space for being, not creating, if you look at um, 
you know, what the sort of recommended, again, like sleep and downtime and physical activity. Like, I feel like parents are so stressed out. I mean, is this what you're seeing? And then how they're kind of over parenting, maybe out of lack, right? Like from their own lives, because they're not integrated. Like, how are you seeing this play out in your clients? So it plays out in, in, in a couple of different ways. So mm-hmm. first of all, if you are a good and attentive parent, parenting young children is highly physical and highly attentive. Mm-hmm. Parenting young children is doing for them, right? So the baby right. comes into your life utterly useless. Right. And you are called on to take care of this 100% of this baby's needs. The only thing you are not doing is breathing for it, blinking its eyes, mm-hmm. basic biological functions, right? Mm-hmm. And as parents, we are right in there, right? We are thrown right <laughs> into the deep end, full tilt, full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. And so with every transition that our child passes through, there is within it a kind of, like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do that for you. Mm-hmm. Like no matter how mentally healthy and amazing and attuned you are, there is discomfort. There is a mashup. There is a meeting of, but I'm doing this for you. And the mm-hmm. kid is saying no, mm-hmm. or the kid is acting out or the kid is pushing back or the kid is having some kind of behavior that we don't read. And that is what I think one of the natural manifestations of parenthood. Mm-hmm. It, nobody's doing anything wrong. Right. It, it's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. We just can't see as parents around every curve. We don't go to bed knowing that your child really is going to kind of wake up differently one day, mm-hmm. which is almost how it occurs. We know it doesn't, but it kind of does. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty weird. So, you have this hmm. natural discomfort that transitions bring in our life. Kind of like when you know someone's going to die and you know you're going to be sad, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make yeah, the grief right. any different. Right, right. Um, and then we have our culture, which is insane. Mm-hmm. So we get two different messages from our culture, which is our children need more grit, leave them alone. They don't need this. They don't need that. They're useless. Right. We have mm-hmm. that extreme. And then we have the extreme of you are in danger. Your children are in danger. This world is unsafe. Right. By you need to show and prove your parenting worth by being on them like white on rice. Mm-hmm. And this goes from the stereotypical activity family to I see it in the wellness community mm-hmm. and the spirituality community. They're just as bad. You mean with the healthy food? The healthy food. <laughs> constantly can't. making a child meditate. Right. Like, what? Right. Stop that. Stop it. You know? Um, why? Say why. Okay. <clears throat> a child is a natural Buddha. The child does not need to be mindful. Now, Are there ways to help a child breathe, to calm down a sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, to reclaim some regulation in his brain? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But these spirituality practices 
are for adults. They're for our baggage. Right? Yeah. Or, Or they say like 10 and like in the traditional, like the traditional yogis would say you can have the kids just be around never put them on a mat and like force them at all teach them let them just watch you and then usually by the time they're eight nine ten depending on their maturity they will start to sort of organically integrate and embody those practices and I feel like it's the same like this year again in the past three months all of the sudden I see Sailor who's 10 using tools and techniques that she's been seen at little her old or life. seen on retreats yes. her whole life. And now she is practicing hand on heart, hand on belly from that integration. But it's not a, this is what you have to do. Or like you do this, like it's more of that organic. She now, I can see that she's now mature enough to start to put some of that together where she feels a difference. Well, and Milo's yeah. on the other side where he's like, I'm trying to breathe deeply like everybody says, and it's not working, you know, like, but that's the beginning of his own exploration with how he's going to regulate, right? Like, yes. and I don't force him like, oh, I don't say like that you have to do. He just is, he sees that in culture, right? That, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he's surrounded by that. Mm-hmm. Right? But here, mm-hmm. Here's the crux of it, whether mm-hmm. you, well, here's the crux of it. So in transitions and in overparenting, there is a deep need in us, a panic need for our child to not suffer. Yes. And yeah. in order to, for us parents to make that happen, we will apply, rightly or wrongly, medications, rightly or wrongly, therapy, uh, rightly or wrong, right, meditation and wellness practices. Mm-hmm. And when they are used <clears throat> wrong when they're used incorrectly what we are trying to do is subvert suffering and what we are trying to do is subvert messy feelings Mm -hmm. so plus i know you meet these people they are using wellness techniques to not feel their feelings yeah yeah and the way kids transition and develop and the way we do with them as parents and the way we can stop over parenting is to allow a lot of mess Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> right. A lot. Yeah. And for a lot of us parents, me included, double, triple time, this is inconvenient. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Deeply uncomfortable. For parents, it, many parents, it is highly triggering. It is, um, it makes us angry. Yep. It's frustrating. It yep. is not how we thought this would go. Yeah. Uh, the kids are not manifesting what we feel like we, the amount yeah. of work we've put into them. Yeah. Then our kids are never a goal. You know, they're not outcome based. But so the over parenting comes from a deep place of love, but it also comes from panic. Panic of not knowing. Mm-hmm. Panic of these feelings that are so big. And we just want them to stop. And we just want our kids to be, feel better, do better, be okay. Well, and it's like the ultimate, like, if I do all of this, the, the ultimate delusion. If I do all this, create this home and set you up with all these parts and pieces, right? Then, then the outcome will be blank. And That's right. 
that's just not real. That's not realistic. It's not reality. It's not truth. It's, it's, I'm going to do this. Like, again, it's about your own values, your own mission, your own sense of alignment, because then you can more clearly see or participate in, I don't have any control over my children. Like I don't, they're, they're not me. I am my own independent. We're all interconnected. It's like this paradox, right? That we talk about all the time in spirituality. And that now I'm just seeing it play out so strongly in parenting. We are totally interconnected. Emotions are contagious. Energy is contagious within a home, within one another, right? And they are Sailor Eloise Saliki is Sailor Eloise Saliki. Period. 100% and was born. Sailor Eloise, totally. And right. she, and I believe, you know, super woo. Oh, we have to talk about super woo and science too. Um, so, like, I believe that they, she is another soul. She came in. I believe in all of that. Um, a version of reincarnation, shall we say. Like, I find all of that super fascinating. The stories they come in with. And I have seen my own children have conversations about former experiences their souls had. So uh, <laughs> we'll do a whole separate love thing you. on that. I love you. <laughs> I mean, it's real. I can't, I would literally not believe it if it hadn't happened to my own children. <laughs> um, but she did. Like, I believe that I've seen that. And the more that I let her be her and I fully accept her, but here's the thing. I can do that. I'm, I, I really feel like I'm doing that because I fully am learning how to accept all the dark parts of myself. Yeah. And, and I'm dealing with my own mess as a human and my own shadow. And so if I can do that, I'm like letting her be her. That's not always so pretty or hairbrushed or teeth brushed or like all those things that we associate with good parenting. Well, Ugh. and I think what happens is usually where my work comes in is that a parent has realized well, they actually don't realize that they're overparenting, but they do know that they're fighting with their kids nonstop, mm-hmm. nonstop. Mm-hmm. And so then when we identify that, I'm like, you know what? Your kids could file suit for harassment. Mm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. then, then the natural human desire is to let go. Mm-hmm. And so one of the paradoxes you're talking about is our deep need as parents, I mean, to lead, to be the authority of the house. Mm-hmm. Families are not a democracy. We mm-hmm. are the leaders. We mm-hmm. are the compassionate, benevolent rule holders. Our children do not have the prefrontal cortexes and the wisdom to guide themselves. And so while we're recognizing that we may be overparenting, and while we recognizing, like, holy shit, I have some stuff to sort out. Mm-hmm. We are continuously called upon to step up mm-hmm. and create boundaries and rules mm-hmm. yeah. that our children need. Yeah. That nobody likes. Yeah. Um, but I, you don't even like to make or enforce and the children don't enjoy them. But it is what is needed in the family. Mm-hmm. And it's this unique relationship where for each child in your family and for who you are individually, you are calibrating every day and recalibrating. 
autonomy with, with routine and, and boundaries. And why do you think people like push back on it? Wait, before you actually, before I go into that question, will you define two things for me from your perspective? One is what is a good parent? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what's the second thing? Um, what is over parenting? Okay. So over parenting, I'll go there. Over- <laughs> <laughs> what's a good parent? Uh, over parenting is when the parent is parenting by a set of rules that do not take the child's development and individuality into consideration Mm. and they are stifling that child both emotionally sometimes even physically um and it is about the parent not the child so over parenting always almost always comes from an insecurity in the parents Mm -hmm. right and it is it is about stifling there is a suffocation. Mm-hmm. So when I think of overparenting, I think of suffocation. Um, what's a good parent? Oh. I mean, a good parent is, I mean, you know, not to be Buddhist about it, right? But <laughs> is awake. Mm-hmm. It's not so much. Mm-hmm. Um it is, of course, what they do because what we do is of critical importance, but it's also how they are. Um, and a good parent, uh, lately, I guess I would say, too, is not obsessed with their kids. Hmm. <laughs> they, like you have, they have their own life? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to work or be, it, it just means that there's actually, and I, I've met these people in my early parenting days when I was psycho myself, there was a feeling about them of, of self-possession. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. They weren't so insecure, mm-hmm. even though they didn't know what they weren't, they didn't know what they were doing, but there wasn't a panic about them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that you can be born into parenthood like that. Maybe some really special people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes work. It takes information. Like, again, it could be on the parenting no, side. It doesn't what take do you information. Mean? It takes experience. Like, over time? Like, yeah. having older kids? And just... Because you know people who have kids in high school who are still over-parenting. I mean, oh, at least, you know. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, so, so there are what's the difference? But a good parent, <clears throat> like, every day wakes up and takes the experience and the wisdom mm-hmm. and keeps on keeping up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think, like, a good parent lays in bed at night and goes, like, I don't know what... Mm-hmm means that they're thoughtful mm-hmm. a good parent is mm-hmm. thoughtful um and a good parent is deeply flawed really flawed really messy unsure 
mm-hmm. crying. It um, but, doesn't feel up. Uh, doesn't feel up to the task. Yeah. But paying attention to it. I mean, that's the. And I think that that's how it is in. It means they're right, in marriage, in work relationship, in elderly. Like you know, I'm dealing with an an aging grandmother. Like it's all like the same. It's parallel. It's the same practices it's the same reflection it's the self like same self engagement that that contemplation and that reflection and that thoughtfulness that we bring to our other relationships this is the same that's that's right and not really but but and there is no other relationship in your life that is provocative as parents mm-hmm. these children can hurt yes. us yeah. too the core yeah. the insecurity yeah. is at, for me is nothing compared to yeah. marriage yeah. to friendship the yeah. fear is nothing compared to fear i've had in friendships yeah. or marriage or my um, you know being a daughter it is it strikes us it's the paradox yeah. um and so i think a good parent rides the waves yeah. Because they're part of us, because they're part of our flesh and blood, right? In a different way. And I always say through. that it's this, yeah. it's this deep love for our kids that blinds us to what we need yeah. to do. It's the love that gets in the way, ironically. But it's the love that keeps us in because taking care of an infant is almost like an unnatural act how needy mm-hmm. it is. Like, if our hormones weren't coursing, coursing through us, we should leave that, like, mess of a mm-hmm. human in mm-hmm. a field. <laughs> yeah, because it's so, well, and unfortunately, or some people do, right? It was like, this is why you can't judge. I mean, it's intense. <laughs> it is. It um, is. It okay, is. hold on. I want to go back to something else that you said, too. What does the suffocating in the overparenting, what does that look like? Like, if, a, if someone was listening to this and they're like, Oh my gosh, am mm-hmm. I overparenting? What does suffocating look like? What would how do how do you see that manifest in the kids? Oh, how do you see it manifest in the kids? Both, the I guess. Both? Yeah, both. Okay. Okay. It can be as simple as that's not how to brush your teeth. Mm-hmm. No, load the dishwasher this way. This way. <laughs> um right. It's a hovering. It's a constant Mm -hmm. comment Mm -hmm. it is a critique and it is often in 2018 dressed up as quote-unquote help Mm -hmm. i'm giving them advice Mm -hmm. i'm guiding them i'm leading them Uh, which is what like you said this deluded Mm -hmm. thought suffocation shows up as false choices like what what do you mean Oh, so I know you want to take band, <laughs> but you have been playing soccer for five years. So if you really want to take band, that's okay. Except Daddy and I don't really want you to. We're not going to really pay for it, and it doesn't really make sense. And blah blah blah. Okay, right. <laughs> False choices. Mm-hmm. Um, suffocation looks like not even giving them the chance in the most extreme sense, right? So the child tries some, goes to try something and you're like, no, 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 you're not ready for that. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Suffocation looks like when my eldest daughter was obsessed with YouTube makeup tutorials. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Pleasance knows this about me. I love my makeup. <laughs> if there's a product, I will buy mm-hmm. it. I don't care if it gives me cancer. <laughs> I love it. I don't care if it's and- five thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, send me to the counters. (laughs) But I subtly and not so subtly pretty much communicated that I thought that was vapid, vain, Mm. a waste of time, Mm. stupid, Mm. silly, which I might as well be telling her you're vapid, Mm -hmm. you're vain, you're stupid, you're silly. But why was I overparented? Why was I in that mess? Was she freebasing? No. Like, what? Why was I? Why did I have to do that? Right? So suffocation can can show up as as the commentary, as an arched eyebrow. Mm -hmm. Right? As a long sigh. Right? Uh, suffocation it very clearly shows up as reading every single text. Right, right. Following your child. Right. Literally. Um, it, 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 right. And so how it looks in the kids is if you've got a healthy kid with a good sense of self, they, get, they fight you back. Right. So what you'll start doing is having power struggles that don't, quote unquote, seem to make sense. Like, what's an example right. of that? Um, complete lack of cooperation. Mm-hmm. So things that they used to maybe help you do, they, they, everything's no. Mm-hmm. Everything is go away. Mm-hmm. I'm not listening. Purposeful ignoring. Mm-hmm. That's all part um, they of will. healthy development. It's part of healthy pushback of get the F off my yeah. back. And it's okay. So how this is a, this is like a question I've had for so long. Oh my God. I'm going to answer it. Go. <laughs> how do you know, how do you know what's pushing versus encouraging? How do you know, how do you have a sense of guidance on um, continuing something or starting something that's like in the best interest. Like I definitely, as a child, was very lazy and tired. And um, there's a number of reasons for that. And so like, I didn't want to do anything. So my grandmother encouraging me to sign up for soccer or dance, um, Although I really wanted to do ballet and, you know, they only let me do jazz. <sighs> oh, plus too big. They said, you're too big for ballet, but you can go to jazz. Um, I didn't want to go to jazz, <laughs> but like her signing me up for that, how I never would have done it on my own. And when I said no, and I didn't want to go and I didn't want to go to practice and it made me so miserable and uncomfortable in my skin. I just remember feeling so big and so uncomfortable at soccer at dance but now I'm glad someone had me do something and get off the couch and stop watching MTV and eating milkshakes 
Like how, how do you know that? Yes. How do you know that? You watch, you pay yes. attention. What, what do you do? You're, you're thoughtful. And I often have this question. I, I really want to be able to say where I heard it. I, I'm pretty sure I heard it from my friend, Chrissy Jellen, who was my first teacher at okay. PEP, who became my dear lifelong friend who has older kids, which for those of you listening, if you don't have a friend with older kids, <laughs> get one now, <laughs> get one now, because yeah. even though I'm supposed to be quote unquote an expert, hell yeah. no. I call Chrissy at least four times a year, like, what the fuck? Yeah. All right. So um, she taught me to ask this question. What are the needs of the situation? Mm-hmm. Now, the situation can be cr- like right there. Like you're in the grocery store and the kid is, you know, what are the needs of the situation? Get out of the store, right? Because they're freaking out. What are the needs of the situation? And then you zoom out and you say, okay, I have a kid who's afraid of everything. Mm-hmm. Or doesn't want to move. And I know that moving the body is important. And when I see this child outside, I know they're happy. Mm -hmm. But I know they're afraid. Mm -hmm. So the needs of the situation is to get this kid into something and get them through that Mm -hmm. fear. Now, let's say you have a kid who's on a travel soccer team and an A student. And I have one of these, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, you know what? It's time for you to do art classes. What are the needs of the situation? Um, is there a need for an art class? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but maybe then the question becomes, well, I just want to really promote her love of art. Well, okay. Can that look different? Mm-hmm. Right. And that usually means I have to cut out yeah. the... Um, yeah technology yep. because that manifests <laughs> on its own but do you see what yep. happened there yeah yeah it makes sense what are the yep. needs of the situation and it'll inevitably if you're honest with yourself because if you bullshit yourself you can answer any <sighs> question you ask any yep. way you want yeah but if you're honest with yourself it will point you in the direction of your child's needs versus your yep. own needs and sometimes they interconnect like sometimes they're they're like well i need my kid to go do this because i have to go to work hmm or I need my kid to do this because my right. mom is sick and I have right. to. But then at least it's honest. Right. It's honest. Right. And you will look at the overparenting honestly. Yeah. Which takes that Does level that of sense, truth class? telling. Oh, totally. So here's what just came up the minute you said that. So I think I shared this with you is that, you know, Sailor, every, I talk a lot about Sailor's LD and, and stuff that we've dealt with with her. And we belong to a very sort of like typical reform Jewish congregation here. We have for a few years and they teach Hebrew and um, like Sailor has a hard enough time reading English, let alone Hebrew, which is backwards for her again. Like, it's just like, I mean, yeah, forget <laughs> um, it. And I love me some Hebrew. I love reading it. I loved learning it. It came really easy to me. So when we started learning Hebrew, um, she wanted me to sit in on the Skype calls and I was really excited because I love school books and I love learning and I love Hebrew. So of course I thought this would translate to her. Of course it didn't. Of course she hates Hebrew. Of course she hates the Skype tutoring and the past two years, not because of the teacher, but just because of Sailor and how this is all unfolding and this kind of transferring my love of Hebrew to her. Regardless, 
I really paid attention of what a struggle this was becoming in our relationship. So I pulled way back and did this like zoom out. Okay, what is, it's exactly what you're saying. What is the needs of the situation? What is actually happening in reality? And what are the options that I do have? So this is where I use all my, the brain science expanding possibility what do I want to create co like co-creation with sailor pulling in resources talking to people all of a sudden I was like the answer was so clear to me when I define how I want to be Jewish and I want our family to be Jewish it wasn't in the situation that I had created for us it wasn't at the synagogue that I had created in this way that I saw quote-unquote everyone else doing it So then I started thinking, well, what could we do? Well, what if we had spiritual time together every week and talked about some of the Jewish lessons or at least (laughs) celebrated the holidays? And I got this creative rabbi who's going to do some mitzvah work with her and we'll have her bat mitzvah, quote unquote, in the backyard with the dog and the family and like nature. Like all of a sudden the cells in my body started vibrating, right? Like to a much higher level. So I felt so much more like I was really seeing who she was and what she needed. Um, And, you know, took that, like made that difficult call to the temple. I'm so sorry. We're, we're, you guys are awesome. It's just not a fit for us. We're going to be leaving. And we just got three hours, actually four hours every week back together as a family to do family stuff that is underlying and underpinning all the teachings of Judaism. (laughs) Well, and I think, right, right. (laughs) And I think what's important about that example is that there is, you did a lot in Mm -hmm. there. Like there was a lot of action. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of doing. There was a lot of doing on the front end and a lot of doing on the Mm -hmm. back end. The doing on the front end was about you. And the doing on the back end was informed by the larger needs and desires and what you were doing was accommodating as much as we can because it will never be perfect. Right. I don't even know what that is. Right. You were accommodating the needs of your family right now. But I have to say, I didn't even know how trapped I was under societal norms for reformed Jews until I started being like really paying attention to the actual tension and tightness that was happening every week. I was so trapped in like, this is what good reformed Jews do. They belong to a synagogue. They go every week. And the rabbi said to me, kids don't like Hebrew school. When I went to him about it, he's like, yeah, this is just, nobody likes it. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, that's fucked up. Right. I, I, I think what's great is that, And what I want to highlight for your listeners is that that is the progression of parenthood. It is not a misstep to try what you did. Yeah, right. 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 I just always want to tell parents because, you know, good parents have a lot of guilt. And I know our culture is obsessed with getting rid of guilt. I I find guilt and shame to be very good needed emotions. They are our compass. They tell us when we're stepping yep. outside of our, our values. It's information. Yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. They're data points, as my friend Jen Heimert likes to say. It's a data point on your emotional life. What's it telling yeah. you? Um, and so 
it's not time to go to guilt. Mm -hmm. It's time to say, oh, okay. Because we are living in our larger culture. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't people try? Why wouldn't everybody go to music together with their toddlers? Everyone's doing it. There's nothing really wrong with it. Right. Until you go and you're like, oh, my God, like this isn't for us. Right. The problem isn't the trying. The problem is the staying. Right. Over and over. The problem isn't me saying to my daughter, like, what's up with these YouTube makeup videos? The problem is me harping on it out of my insecurity. Um, I do want to go back to what you said about. Are you there? Can you hear me? Meg? Hello? Yes. (laughs) Can you hear me? hi um okay i want to go back to what you said about finding a person a friend who has older kids than your current kids ages this is something i remember that i learned from you that has really stuck with me is that your um you had one of your daughters had been dancing for her whole life and you spent a lot of time and money driving her to dancing and watching dancing and living the dancing life. And I can't remember which age it was in middle school, but she stopped dancing. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling sad. Like I'm so like, I take on all this, you know, hope I'm getting better at not taking on other people's emotions. But (laughs) at the time I remember like a visceral reaction in my body when you told me that. Yeah. But you were okay. You like did not harp on it. You you had such a healthy response of like letting go, but being sad, but letting her actually do it, not arguing, not fighting with her on it. Watching you go through that has been such a gift to how I approach. Well, my kids don't stick with anything long. (laughs) They're not long enough to have that. But if they ever do (laughs) and they decide to give it up. I know that I will at least be a little tiny bit more <laughs> compassionate with them because I watched you do that. And that was so powerful, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was really painful. She had danced for from two, two years old to almost 12, mm-hmm. 11. And it was our whole lives. And, mm-hmm. um, I had always said, I had always said, whenever you want to quit, you can. Mm. That was my, that was my parent coach side. Mm-hmm. I was talking the talk. Mm-hmm. I was saying the shit that I say to everybody else. Mm-hmm. When it came time for her to quit though, my insides felt like they froze up. <sighs> I did. It was okay for everybody else's family for their kids to quit. But mm-hmm. that voice <laughs> in me was like, no, 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 no. This is what we know. Mm-hmm. Rationally, it like, what is she going to do? Like, grow up to be a professional dancer? I mean, I guess, but like, what do we expect? Mm-hmm. This is the overparenting. Like, what do you, what do you think? Your kid's going to be a professional baseball player? No, mm-hmm. they're not. They're not that good. <laughs> they're not. If you're listening right now, your kid's not that good at what they do. <laughs> and you're like, yes, they are, Megan. And I'm telling you, they're not. <laughs> Quit. Quit now. <laughs> but the, maybe they are, you know, being <laughs> facetious, but I know. They're not. Um, <laughs> because all these professional baseball players and basketball players, they're actually 
almost all of them are playing in dirt fields and playing multiple sports. Right. And they have poor parents. Mm -hmm. And they, most importantly, are playing multiple sports. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's a whole nother science. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that I had to have a a long cry. Mm -hmm. And over-parenting can show up as false choices or passive aggression. Are you sure? I really support yes. this, but are you sure? Yeah. And the truth was I was going to manipulate her gray area because she wasn't sure. She was mm-hmm. insecure, and I mm. could have manipulated that. Mm-hmm. And I have done that with my kids. We have, we've all done it. But mm-hmm. I had to have a cry, and I had to really let it go. And I had to – that was one of my first acceptances mm. that our – our kids are not what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really painful. But that's an overparenting opportunity. Yeah. Um, I think that all of this that we're talking about is pointing back to the other topic that we're always talking about, um, which is this, the self-care piece of what it takes to see truth, to zoom out, to have some patience with the parenting process, meaning the missteps and the messiness and that sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. With three girls and you have, we're going to do another episode. We've already talked about it. Not now, maybe around the holidays or something. We'll do one about 20 plus year relationships (laughs) and marriages and marriage and parenting. But that's a whole nother conversation that we want to have. Um, but you do have three girls. You do have a, a very long-term marriage and relationship and parents and your business and you're writing a book. What does your like self-care look like today? What has it looked like and how has it changed? Because like everything else, it's not one thing or so simple or always the same. You know, it's dynamic. So Yeah. So when the kids are little, the self-care feels, at least it felt for me, I'll speak for myself, so immediate, so tangible. Mm -hmm. It showed up as naps, Mm -hmm. as um, physical rest. Um, The pain and the joy of your kids getting older is they need you less. Mm -hmm. Um. And so the self-care looks into, you start to begin to have an opportunity to take, to really take care of yourself again mm-hmm. and to call, just get a life, get a life. In what way? What do you mean by that? In whatever way it shows up for me, it shows up as not working harder mm-hmm. because you know, where we live, that's, that's the easy trap. Mm-hmm. That sh- that shiny door is at the ready. Um, mm-hmm. Really paying attention to this aging body mm-hmm. that I'm lucky to have. Mm-hmm. Good, good fitness that feels fun, which you know, for women of our generation, never did. Um, it feels like self care feels like seeing my friends, mm-hmm. um, and it feels like. paying attention to my marriage um looking at things in my home that have been sitting in the same place for 14 years 
right? Moving some, literally moving some things around. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the act of practicing not getting in your kid's mm-hmm. face 24-7 is so exhausting emotionally, not picking fights is exhausting, mm-hmm. right? Like not responding to every eye roll, not responding to every sass, not respect because you know for parents of young kids listening they're like but that it is so tiring Mm -hmm. um and so you have to find a way to get away from your kids to shake off the energy to recalibrate to come back in with loving eyes Mm -hmm. and and to be brave for the the uh the boundaries you have to hold you know, no matter how many times I've said no, my 14-year-old asks to charge her phone in her bedroom next to her head. Mm-hmm. And when I say no, it is an explosion of fury. Mm-hmm. And to hold the boundary and not destroy her mm-hmm. is so tiring. And that's frequent. It's not one time. You have to say it over and over. Oh, every damn week i look at mm-hmm. her and i'm like are you brain damaged what right <laughs> did we not have this talk because in my mind it's over mm-hmm. but in the teen mind right she just saw her friend on snapchat charge all of her 48 devices next to her head so the teen mind goes i'm gonna go i'm gonna i want that mm-hmm. and so she'll turn right to me and say i want that and i'll say i know you do and it ain't happening when you turn 18 and you live on your own, you can literally right. plug in a hundred devices right into your <laughs> right. skull. Right. Well, the humor piece I think is huge. Like the, the not taking everything. I think what's so exhausting is taking everything so personally and being so emotionally <laughs> like invested in it. So like having a and sense of pleasant. humor is so important. And plus since that's over parenting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Taking your kid really seriously yeah. is over parenting because what happens is the interplay when your kid says something out of their emotional dysregulation, normal development, just because they're who they are mm-hmm. and they look up and they see our deep hurt. Mm-hmm. They see our big reaction, right? This is, in an odd way, a burden for them. Mm -hmm. Because everything they say is carrying this import to us. And that is simultaneously powerful and overwhelming. You know? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to practice your kid kind of lobbing a grenade at you and you swatting it. Rather than catching it and let's talk about your feelings and why would you say that to hurt mommy and words have such an impact. Uh. You know, <laughs> like you know, like when my daughter's like, I fucking hate you, I'm like ten four. Message received. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be a thing. Yeah. Which I yeah. do think I, I parent, I coach both parents. I, I coach the parents who over parent because they land on it and punish it. Mm-hmm. And then I coach the parents who land on it and talk it to death with positive parenting techniques. Uh, yeah. So what we've done is we've taken positive parenting in that movement, which is beautiful and great. 
And again, we use it to bully our kids. Mm-hmm. Like, can we ever just let a, mo- a moment be a moment? Mm-hmm. Can we ever just move through something? Mm-hmm. Can we ever just take a deep breath and walk away? Mm-hmm. And that's part of that duct tape parenting stuff that you did a few years ago, right? Didn't you do... How long did you do? Oh, my God. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, when I put a Band-Aid over my mouth because mm-hmm. I said Louise's name 700 times every morning. Mm-hmm. And to break that habit or to take a pause from all of that commentary. <laughs> well, and deep down, I, ha- I had a deep belief that if I didn't speak or boss my kids around, they were handicapped. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in the literal sense of the word, that they could mm-hmm. not function. Mm-hmm. So band-aiding my mouth showed me that they are capable. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was yeah. out the corner of my mouth, like, get in a goddamn car. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going, what? What, <laughs> <laughs> mom? And I had a Phineas and Ferb band-aid on my mouth, like, get in a goddamn car. Oh my God, I love it. Um, What's the book about? <laughs> Tell everyone what's the book about, how's the book writing, when can we expect it, and what else do you have coming up that we can follow? Um, the book <clears throat> is about pretty much should I tell parents every day, all day. Yay! It's like a collection of just advice I give constantly mm-hmm. with an edge or an angle toward common sense. Mm-hmm which I think the people that listen to your podcast are always seeking out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's funny. Because, because you're funny. Well, because, <laughs> I mean, the parenting world is just so goddamn serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are just like, mm-hmm. like a heart attack about these kids. Oh, please. The spiritual yoga wellness. We have the same issue going on over in our world. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh! I mean, the self-importance when it comes to parenting, like this yeah. sacred journey. I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck off! <laughs> You're not- and I've definitely used those words with my children in parenting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Stop it. Um, yeah, love no, it. it's it doesn't feel very sacred, and it's also very plain. It's very yeah. regular. So, and the book is funny. I don't have a name. I don't know when it'll, I'm looking to have it done before the holidays. So by the time you read it, you'll be in your eighties. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't have anything coming up. You're going to find me in the library writing. Um, I have a Washington post column every week. Okay. I have an online class that is always running and anyone I coach is through that class. So if you're interested, go to my website, mlparentcoach.com. The class has a private Facebook page. And even though Facebook is, all things awful. We have such an amazing group of mm. kind-hearted, beautiful parents, and they're just so good. I just every time I get on that page, I'm like, the world is not a garbage fire. Um, so that Facebook group is for alumni of your online course, right? So they and take the course actively in it, and actively in it. Okay. And, and every other week, I do a live Facebook video for them just on their concerns. Okay. And they, who's a good candidate for your online class? Like someone who's listening, who feels like what? what Parents of kids, two to 11. Okay. Also, um, slightly neurotypical. 
meaning anything on the extreme, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with your child and there's nothing wrong with you. I just don't know that the class will serve your unique needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, the last thing I'd want to do is cause you more frustration. Mm -hmm. So going back to school as we, to close, what Mm -hmm. is one thing that parents can do today Mm -hmm. to bring some of this into the school year? So my number one tool, and it's in my online class, my number one thing is family meetings. Mm -hmm. It's practical, it's Mm -hmm. tangible, Mm -hmm. and it is a blessing to most Mm -hmm. families. Mm -hmm. And this is just sitting down, Mm -hmm. even with the littlest of kids Mm -hmm. and saying, here's what's coming up. Mm -hmm. Here's what the days will be. Mm -hmm. Here's what is happening. Right. Because as parents, we're so busy and we're doing so many things. We forget to clue in our kids, Mm -hmm. which leads to what I call whack-a-mole parenting. Mm -hmm. It's just, just parenting problems pop up and we bam them down, which you're going to have that. And then the kids can also voice their concerns because you can ask, Mm -hmm. what are you guys worried about? Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? What are you excited for? And it's just a really kind and loving way to bring everyone together. Yeah. And these can be super short and super fun. It doesn't have to look anything like you think it needs to look. Mm -hmm. Um. But that also what happens is that settles our own brains down. Mm-hmm. And like you said at the beginning, energy is contagious. Mm-hmm. And our children are sponges for our energy. Mm-hmm. So if we are feeling slightly calm, slightly in control, mm-hmm. the school year will begin better and we'll have less of a like, <gasps> mm-hmm. do, do all the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so family meeting is, is healthy for all of us. And I suggest a meeting with yourself mm-hmm. or a meeting with your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm such a nerd. I love my family meetings and it's life changing. And um, yes, like I think absolutely, especially with this age that we have now, our family meeting this year, like to kick off this school year is going to be really different because of their ages. And I've been like setting it up since July. <laughs> yes. And just, I... <laughs> and the thing is too, for the overparenting out there, it doesn't have to be positive. If you have a negative Nelly, I yeah. have one. Yeah. They're going to, nothing's good. I don't have friends. I don't, I don't like yeah. my teacher. This is gonna... yeah. You just take that right in. Yeah. Yeah. No, no cheerleading. Yeah. Yeah. No, let's look on the bright side. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, it's just a safe place to kind of collect. Yeah. So that you're not kind of yelling over your shoulder while you're dragging things out the door. Yeah. And if you have those fixed mindset kiddos, which I have one as well, it's important to let, it's exactly what you're saying. Like important to let that be, be part of the acceptance because we don't move into growth because other people are telling us that <laughs> we have to learn at it from our own experience and our own curiosity and, and our own sharing, like another parent sharing, Hey, I had, and when I have a hard day, I don't sit at those meetings 
um, or our check-ins and be like, it was all unicorns and rainbows. I love life. Like, I'll be like, wow, I had a really hard day because I couldn't get QuickBooks to work and I had a meeting and I needed those reports and it was frustrating. You know, I try to be really honest with that so that I think it's important, you know, it's important not to hide that. And I, and you brought up something really important with the family meetings. I mean, with the really little kids, like five and under, not as much, but I mean, you can still do it, but I'm saying as they get older, the parents' needs have to be placed into this meeting. Mm-hmm. Our meetings, our work needs, mm-hmm. our self-care, health, yeah. workout, yeah. sleep, yeah. eating, date yeah. night needs. Yeah. We are really setting our kids up for failure and a skewed understanding of life when it is child-centered and child-focused. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My needs are actually more important than my children's needs. Yeah. Because if I let myself go, who's running this shit show? Right. 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 It's a commitment. I say this all the time. My commitment to as as overplayed as the word self-care is these days, like my commitment to taking care of myself and having self-compassion um, is in the name of our family, is in the name of my own healing so that that energy that is contagious is uh, more powerful in our intimate, in our intimacy, in our home because of these kiddos who are here, because I was not raised in that sort of environment. Yes. Um, and so... I don't want to, you know, have these generational issues that keep coming up. And I'm, I'm very mindful that the more care and zooming out and awareness and practice that I'm able to bring in, or all of us, the more we're able to see things as they really are, you know? And for parents for whom this is very difficult because this is so kind of countercultural, especially to the mother image. Mm-hmm. I always say, okay, I understand it's hard for you to put yourself this high on the ladder, but if it helps you, I want you to envision your own children as adults. Yes. Yeah. Do you want them to be last in their lives? Do you want them to not take care of themselves, have heart problems, hypertension, diabetes, migraines? Yeah. Do you want them? Do you want them to not value their marriage, their sex lives? Do you want them to eat like shit? Yeah. Or be, or feel like I always say too, like, how are you feeling for people who are working a ton and not taking care of themselves and, and just really, really, really overwhelmed in all the areas? Like, do you want the kids like to see if you're modeling this, then, and that's what they see as this is the way and then behind closed doors is crying or the mess or the emotion, which again is, there's a line here. I don't want to say that we should be like emotionally, like, you know, throwing everything out on the table for our kids. No, that's no, not no. what, right, right, that's right. not what I mean. Um, right. There's a continuum, um, but that we are the models of how to perpetuate, like what the kind of homes we want them to have. I think that that perspective on like, picture your kids as adults and what skills do they have? Um, and where did they get them emotionally? And this integrated brain stuff is just awesome. I think for, I've been, um, teaching some of the yes brain and, and Dan Siegel's integrated brain to my, um, thrive squared year long class. 
Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily telling them it's for kids, right? Like, because it's not just for it kids, it's for all matter. humans. It right. doesn't matter. It's the same stuff. Dysregulation like, occurs yes. because of our panic hormones yes. and, our, and, our, and our nervous system. <laughs> right. It's just that it's a natural way of being for children. Yeah. <laughs> which is a fucker. Yeah. But I, right. And I just want to leave parents with, in terms of like, the natural order of family, mm. biologically, if we strip away mindfulness and spirituality and all this stuff, is that, you know, it is a hierarchical business. And before we complicated humanity with these, this, this, this computer world and this work world, right? Humans walk the earth forever that parents were strong leaders mm-hmm. and the children were meant to be followers. Mm-hmm. That is not in the pejorative sense. That is in the, that is in the, the loving yes. possessive sense that yes. like that safety, like that's my person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I always want parents to embody that, even if you're not up to the task. Yeah. You fake it till you make it. Even when I don't know what I'm doing, I will stand <laughs> amongst my kids and be like, I know what I'm doing here. Yes. Right. And they look at me and I put my chest out a little and I stand myself upright. Mm-hmm. I said, here's what's next. Mm-hmm. It's the yeah. greatest form of improv you'll ever do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's such a gift. It's really that leadership and, and really um, honoring the leadership and taking that part seriously, meaning, meaning that it is a high priority is how I mean in terms of being serious about it is that leadership piece, you know, and that strength, which is what our kids deserve. And it's more of a feeling than an act. We Mm -hmm. all have Mm -hmm. been in the presence of a strong leader. Yes. Yep. Which is why your yeah. former yoga biz was like on yeah. fire all the time. Yeah. Because people flock to your loving leadership. Yeah. Which is, you know, your own curse, my friend. Woohoo! <laughs> um, okay, so you're going to come back on and we're going to talk about relationships at some point. And mm. everyone is going to sign up for your online class and learn from you about parenting. And eventually someday after the book is done, Megan and I are going to do a series called Super Woo and Science 2, where we just talk about this awesome intersection of all this stuff I learn in uber woo-woo world that is now being backed up by science. And I love it. And it's so fun to talk about and so fun to compare notes and um, about development and our brains and the amazing things that we're learning about them. So look for Super Woo and Science 2, which is our dream project in the future. I don't know. Maybe it'll be like 10 years. We'll be like, you know, or 15 years or five years or five months. Who knows? But it's coming. It is. It is. It's coming. It's, it's coming. Like movie trailer. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. First of all, I mean, just to end, I want to say first to end. I love you. And more importantly than that, I so deeply appreciate how you show up in the parenting realm, how you teach, how you speak, how authentic it is um, and real, how amazing your, the way that you see parents, the way that you see families, the way that you communicate with us and support us 
um, and give us that love and that push, that support and the honesty is so valuable and so rare. So I, um, I take this, I take what you do very seriously because it just means so much to me that I don't really have to dig around looking outside of myself or reading all the things that you're always pointing me back to, you know, what is happening right now and let's just address the current situation. So you're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and thank you for all that. I'm going to not cry. And thanks for your friendship. And I love Mm, you. Love you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye baby. I'll see you this weekend. Love you. Love you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.